So just like Andrew this morning, we are going to be reading the passages from the bulletin. However, they are not going to be the sermon passage uh, that we are going to be receiving the sermon from this evening. So please turn with me in your copy of God's Word to Isaiah chapter 34. This is the word of the Lord. It says, Come near, you nations, to hear, and heed, you people. Let the earth hear and all that is in it, the world and all things that come forth from it. For the indignation of the Lord is against all nations, and his fury against all their armies. He has utterly destroyed them. He has given them over to, slaughter, uh, to the slaughter. Also their slain shall be thrown out. Their stench shall rise from their corpus, uh, corpses. And the mountains shall be melted with their blood. All the hosts of heaven shall be dissolved. And the heavens shall be rolled up like a scroll. All their hosts shall fall down as the leaf shall, uh, falls from the vine. And as fruit falling from a fig tree. For my sword shall be bathed in heaven. Indeed it shall be down on Edom. Uh, come down on Edom and on the people of my curse for judgment. The sword of the Lord shall be, uh, is filled with blood. It is made overflowing with fatness, with the blood of lambs and goats, with the fat of kidneys of rams. For the uh, Lord has a sacrifice in Bozrah and a great slaughter in the land of Edom. The wild oxen shall come down with them and the young bulls with the mighty bulls. Their land shall be soaked with blood and their dust saturated with fatness for it is the day of the lord's vengeance the year of recompense for the cause of zion its streams shall be turned into pitch and its dust into brimstone its land shall become burning pitch it shall not be quenched night or day its smoke shall ascend forever from generation to generation it shall lie waste no one shall pass through it forever and ever but the pelican and the porcupine shall possess it also the owl and the raven shall dwell in it, and he shall stretch out over it the line of confusion and the stones of emptiness. They shall call its nobles into the, uh, to the kingdom, but none shall be there, and all its princes shall be nothing. And thorns shall come up in its palaces, nettles and brambles in its fortresses. It shall be a habitation of jackals, a courtyard for ostriches. The wild beasts of the desert shall also meet with the jackals and the goat, uh, the wild goat shall bleat to its companion. Also, the night creature shall rest there and find herself a place of rest. There, the arrow snake shall make her nest and lay eggs and hatch, and gather them under her shadow. There also shall the hawks be gathered, every one with her mate. Search from uh, from the book of the Lord and read. Not one of these shall fail. Not one shall lack her mate. For my mouth has commanded it, and his spirit has gathered them. He has cast the lot for them, and his hand has divided it among them with a measuring line. They shall possess it forever, from generation to generation they shall dwell in it. Amen. Now please turn with me to James chapter 3. This is the word of the Lord. It says, My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships. Although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. 
Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature. And it is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and also, uh, I'm sorry, and has been tamed by mankind. But no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our God and Father, and with it, we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives, or a grapevine bear figs? Excuse me. Thus no spring yields both salt water and fresh. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have, any, uh, if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above but is earthly, sensual, demonic. For, every, uh, for where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, both, uh, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Amen. Now, turn with me to Luke chapter 2, and we will begin in verse 21 and read to verse 40 for our sermon passage. This is the word of the Lord. It says, And when eight days were completed for the circumcision of the child, his name was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Now when the days of her purification according to the law of Moses were completed, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every male who opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit to, into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. According to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Now there was one, Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. 
She was of a great age and had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. And this woman was a widow of about 84 years who did not depart from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day and came in in that instant. And she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him to the, all those who looked for redemption in Jerusalem. So when they had performed all uh, things according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own city, Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Almighty Lord, creator that once delivered your timely word through a lowly donkey, you declared that even the rocks shall cry out if the sons of men hold their peace. You have bestowed upon me the weighty task of delivering your word to your people this very evening. May the remarks that sound from my lips not be my own, but be directed to the hearts of those that are within the sound of my voice by the Holy Ghost. Convict us this evening to recall and hold fast to the covenant that was established with our fathers and kiss the Son, lest he be angry and we perish on the wayside. Assist our worship, assist the preaching. We pray this to the eternal Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, who exists ever as one God, world without end. Amen. In our passage this evening, we witnessed a key point of transition within the biblical narrative, a sort of passing of the baton from the Old Covenant to the New. Even though Christ was born without any blemish from sin, we see him and his family partaking of the Old Covenant ceremonial rites, as was proper for him as a child of the people of Israel. Even though he is the Son of God according to his divinity, he is also yet still a son of Abraham according to the flesh, as Paul told us in Galatians 4. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. Now let me ask you, when was the last time that you have thought about the circumcision of Christ? Luke is the only gospel account that makes any mention of it, even including the book of Matthew, which we understand as written to the Jews for the restoration of the nation of Israel. And even here, in Luke's mention of it, it is only in a singular verse, verse 21. But there is deep doctrinal meaning to be taken from this one Verse. Circumcision, obviously being the covenant sign that was instituted back in Genesis 17, where the Lord established his covenant with Abraham, our father in the faith. Circumcision signified many things for the people of Israel, but chief among them are two purposes. Covenant curses and being cut off from the people of God if they continue to walk in their sins. A promise of condemnation if they neglected to abide by the condition of the covenant. And then two, the promise that the Lord would cleanse them by cutting off their sin from their flesh. And this is ultimately fulfilled in the cross, which the Apostle Paul in Colossians 2 actually refers to as the circumcision of Christ. Even in his infancy, Christ was yet still suffering and bleeding on our behalf. Imagine a priest taking the Lord Christ as an infant into his arms with a knife and cutting him. You have to think about it. Circumcision is a bloody and messy thing. He underwent the ceremonies of the law, being circumcised on the eighth day, so that it might be fulfilled on our behalf. 
We often only think of the passion of Christ as referring to his crucifixion. But in actuality, the incarnation of the Lord as a whole was his passion. Or as the shorter catechism refers to it, his humiliation. Question 27 says, wherein did Christ's humiliation consist? Answer, Christ's humiliation consists in his being born and that in a low condition made under the law, undergoing the miseries of this life, the wrath of God and the cursed death of the cross and being buried and continuing under the power of death for a time. Now, not only was he circumcised in our passage, but he was given his name, Jesus. The name Jesus was fairly common among the Jews at this time. We see a companion of Paul in Colossians 4 named Jesus, even though he clarifies that they generally uh, refer to him as Eustace instead. We also see another figure, Barabbas, who traditionally it has been believed that his name was actually Jesus Barabbas. So this would mean that what we see in the scene where Pilate presents the two men before the Jews and tells them to choose which one would live and which one would die, the Jews were making a choice between two Jesuses. But even though it was a common name at the time, there was a reason why the angel declared to Mary and Joseph that this was what he was to be called. Children, the name Jesus in Hebrew is the exact same name as Joshua, Yeshua. And there are two men in the Old Testament that went by the same name. Joshua the prophet, the one who carried the baton passed to him by Moses and led the people into the Canaan land, conquering all of God's enemies in the land. But we also have another one, the high priest in Zechariah. Zechariah 6, 11 through 13, it says, Take the silver and gold, make an elaborate crown, and set it upon the head of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Then speak to him, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, saying, Behold, the man whose name is, in, uh, is the branch. From his place he shall branch out, and he shall build the temple of the Lord. Yes, he shall build the temple of the Lord. He shall bear the glory, and sit and rule on his throne, and he shall be a priest on his throne. And the council of peace shall be between them both. Though he was a high priest, he was crowned and sat upon the throne and that he might prefigure Christ as a priest king. And when taken together with the prophet Joshua, we receive a glimpse of the all three offices of Christ as our mediator, prophet, priest, and king. And it is in this fulfilling of these three offices that Christ redeems us. As Matthew one twenty one tells us, he brings us salvation, saving us from our sins. And then comes the time where Mary and Joseph went to present our Lord into the temple, to present him to the Lord and have his name recorded in the books of the genealogies. But at the same time that the second person of the Trinity was being brought in, the third person of the Trinity directed another man to enter the temple as well. A man whom the passage tells us was just and devout. That is, that he was just in his interactions with man and was devout in his interactions with God, thus walking according to both tables of the law. Matthew Henry says here, these two must always go together and each will befriend the other, but neither will atone for the defect of the other. Just like what the apostle John tells us in 1 John 4, if someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he doesn't, uh, who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? 
And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. So this was a man of great piety. And his name was Simeon, also known by the great Christian tradition as Simeon, the God receiver. Now, the Holy Ghost had previously told Simeon that he would not taste the bitterness of death without first having seen the one that would bring salvation to his people. And when Simeon entered the temple, he immediately recognized the child that was in Mary's arms. How? Because he beheld him with the eyes of faith. The very eyes of faith that Christ would later go on to commend in his interaction with doubting Thomas. Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. But blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. The very eyes of faith that Simeon used in hope and expectation of the first coming of our Lord are the same eyes of faith that we are called to use to look upon Christ in our expectation of his second coming. Yes, while we looked forward to the incarnation of Christ through shadows, uh, while they looked forward to the incarnation of Christ through shadows and types, and we look back because the substance of the covenant has been fully revealed in the Lord Christ, we have an already not yet mentality. For while he has come, he will come again. We may not know the day nor the hour, but my friends, I assure you that he shall come again. And when he comes, let him find his saints walking humbly in faith. As verse 34 of our passage states, the child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel. Despite what the culture wants to tell you, there is a binary choice for all of us to make. There are only two ways, a way of life and a way of death, and one's place before Christ determines which path you are on. Christ says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. And as time would unfold, we see that there are many that would ultimately reject him. And this would be their, uh, to their downfall. As many of the Puritans used to say, the same sun that melts wax also hardens clay. And it is only they who look upon Christ through the eyes of faith that shall receive life through him. But they who do not, their hearts shall continue to harden as clay. And it is they whose names shall not be recorded in the book of life and will ultimately be cast into the lake of fire along with death and Hades. Amen. Let's pray. Almighty Lord, help us to look upon you with the eyes of faith. Following the example of this man of great piety, Simeon, the God receiver, help us to receive Christ in all of his benefits this very night and hold fast to the covenant that has been granted to us through the cross prefigured by his circumcision. We pray these things with the prayer that Christ taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven,